so uh, thank you for organizing this session so uh, talking about uh, bhagavad gita is important so uh, i was just reading about uh, one american naturalist named henry thoreau uh, he says that uh, every morning i bathe my intellect in the stupendous philosophy of bhagavad gita in comparison with which our modern world and its literature seems trivial so uh, i think that uh, western world has uh, acknowledged <coughs> the importance of bhagavad gita a bit more than indians have uh, i may be wrong on this but uh, that's my one uh, observation no you are right when something is just too close to you you just somehow lose measure of its importance because the gita happens to be uh, a common place thing in india a household name in india therefore it is evident that it has ceased to uh, mesmerize indians huh? familiarity someone said breeds contempt so yeah if not contempt then at least indifference if you become familiar too familiar to greatness greatness ceases to dazzle the west encounters the gita with relatively fresh eyes hmm? the west does not rush to worship the gita it says wow here we have a piece of text hmm? literature let me look at it objectively afresh and when you look at gita that way that's when it uh, reveals its riches to you i've been lucky in that regard i could play with the gita because i was not introduced to the gita in a traditional way hmm? nobody told me that you should uh, uh, go and uh, take a bath before touching the gita or that you should sit or or squat facing one particular direction if you are reading the gita or that you should not be lying in your bed while reading the gita i was i have done all of that there have been nights when i have dozed off with the gita lying on my chest i have not read the gita in in any kind of uh, structured or sequential way i would uh, just open the book randomly and allow the verses to to captivate me uh, 
I've also not felt obliged to go by the conventional meanings of the verses. So it helps if you can look at the world or anything with uh, with with unconditioned eyes. If you approach something with uh, predetermined respect, you lose the thing. When you turn something into organized religion, you lose touch with its underlying beautiful philosophy. So, Gita became a small part of a huge religious complex for Indians. Hmm? For the West, it didn't turn into religion. It remained philosophy. And that's why the West seems to be uh, able to penetrate relatively deeper into the Gita. You name Thoru, there are several other examples. And we, we have more examples coming up every decade. India, that uh, does not uh, quite uh, seem to be happening. See, the Gita is not tradition. Uh, you have been with the Hindi course as well. You very well know that the Gita is an active destroyer of convention, tradition, myth, belief, such things. Hmm? And that aspect of the Gita has hardly ever been brought out. If you see what Arjun stands for, Krishna is representing an attitude that can uh, very truthfully be called as very modern. No? And because modernity first came to the West, therefore the West is naturally more likely to resonate uh, more uh, closely with the Gita. Huh? So, uh, what I have observed that uh, people here uh, are afraid of condemning or saying anything against Gita even if they don't uh, feel right about it. Whereas uh, in West, for example, Jean Paul Sartre, uh, he he started uh, condemning that, uh, not condemning, but he said that uh, I didn't like the fact that uh, Krishna was pushing Arjun to fight, though he corrected himself later. But uh, I was saying that uh, critique didn't think that, yes, critiquing, he was critiquing. Hmm. Yes. So he was not afraid of critiquing because yes. uh, he didn't take yes. some kind of uh, yes, 
the same thing i i i found myself in the same situation i recall that many a times so i would pick up a particular verse and vividly remember one day father was on the dining table and i go rushing to him and i say ye to koi baat nahi hui and i was pointing at a particular verse <laughs> वट इज दिस रिट एंड वॉट इज कृष्ण सेंग यर ये तो कोई बात नहीं हुई दो माई वर्ड्स ये तो कोई बात नहीं हुई सो सो आई वॉज लकी आई कुड हैव दैट फ्रीडम टू ओपनली डिसेंट अगेंस्ट इवन कृष्ण एंड हैड आई नॉट हैड द राइट टू डिसेंट आई वुड ऑल्सो नॉट हैव द राइट टू लव both require freedom no there can be no dissent without freedom and there can be no love without freedom so gita can be read only in freedom when you make the gita a part of your religious complex when you turn it into an obligatory reading then there is no freedom uh so talking about that uh, from verse 1 uh, i took uh, two inferences about that uh, i would like to uh, share with you yes. so dhritarashtra uh, the scripture starts with a blind man's question i mean that is rightfully uh, a good thing because only a blind man should ask a question a person who sees i mean he won't have any requirement to ask anything and hence there would be no need of a scripture mm. uh second thing is uh, dhritarashtra was blind and it is seen that his sons were all behaving blindly mm. uh it seems as if uh, in ishavasti we say fullness gives rise to fullness the reverse of that is happening blindness gives rise to blindness only a blind man can reproduce 100 conforms I mean, hundred children. Kabir Sahab says, "Andha andhe thaliya." Hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Hmm. Uh, then from verse four, uh, and I think, and 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 and, if you want to extend the whole thing a bit, when the very genesis of the battle was in those words of Draupadi that pointed at the same thing. uh he said andhe ka beta andha she said andhe ka beta andha cut that's what exactly uh, you are saying yes so so you you take all of that together and it's all it's all quite uh, full of uh, symbolism and significance so uh, in verse 4 uh, actually when you see two parties fighting suppose two parties are fighting generally you will find that one party is you know condemning the other uh, at things about other but here we see a strange thing duryodhan mm. is instead praising pandavas mm. that is a strange discrepancy which i found mm. because these are not two parties finding fighting each other this is one party fighting the truth 
Duryodhan wouldn't have been found in that kind of trembling condition were he facing the Pandavas sans Krishna. It is the presence of Krishna on that side that is uh, making uh, Duryodhan go so so unhinged. The words are utterly loose. So uh, I remember that even in uh, chemical equations, even in science, we said that there are two chemicals, but uh, there is the requirement of a catalyst. Catalyst here is Sri Krishna. Catalyst is not an active participant in the battle, in the reaction, but catalyst is something whose presence is mandatory for the reaction to happen. So Sri Krishna is something like a uh, catalyst, I feel. You could, you could say that. You could even say that Krishna is the very laboratory within which the reaction is taking place. Huh? A catalyst is uh, just an enabler. Krishna here is more than an enabler. He is, he is the very foundation on which all this is happening. So, so, but that's another level of description. What you have said is just all right. And final thing. Uh, so if I ask you, or if I may ask you, uh, can you name one person, one uh, fighter who is the biggest fighter in Pandavas? Who will that be? Uh, in fighter in what sense? Skill? Experience? What sense? Yes, yes, if I ask who is the biggest fighter in Pandava group, then who would you Arjun, name? Arjun, Arjun. Yes. Now everybody will say like that. But if you look at verse number four, uh, Duryodhan takes the first name of Bhim, not Arjun. Uh -huh. Duryodhan takes uh -huh. the first name of Bhim, but uh -huh. not Arjun. That's because uh -huh. Bhim was leading the army from that side. Okay. Bhim is Bhishma's counterpart from the Pandav side. Okay. So that's the reason. So what uh, what I thought is uh, maybe because you need somebody like Bhim who can easily be bondaged in a woman's in wife's promise. Uh, you could you could say that, or you could say that when it comes to uh, a personal center, Duryodhan was not too likely to face Arjun in the battle. There were others who were going to take Arjun on, right? You would have Bhishma, you would have Drone, then Karn. These were the people who were going to match Arjun in, uh, in archery. Uh, Duryodhan would have a personal duel with Bhim and Duryodhan knew it was coming and it indeed did come, right? So you could say that uh, that's the reason uh, Duryodhan is more likely to remember Bhim. See, it's, it's like uh, it's like if you are an opening batsman when you look at the 11 players on the uh, uh, other side, you are most likely uh, to uh, look first at their opening baller. Because he is the one you are going to face and dread. Right? As an opening batsman, 
why would i think too much uh, about let's say um, let's say their spinner opening batsman hardly get to face spinners so but but then i know that the pitch would be fresh and raw and that tall opening bowler he is going to have a good go at me so if i am to talk of one face as representing the opposing team hmm? i would name their opening bowler so so that kind of a thing but here even that is probably not applicable it says that bheem is leading the side even yes, vedant also says that uh, we look at our income our counterpart in the world we always uh, find out from the entire view we always find which is my dual counterpart that's the nature of the ego yes 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 that is being explained okay. thank you so much thank you